bullets fly in Surrey. No links have been identified to link this to the BC gang conflict. The gun violence putting one man in hospital. What we are learning about the victim. Plus, a violent mob caught on video. We had every type of weapon under the sun that you can think of. The terrifying attack targeting an Abbotsford home. And flood-weary communities brace for the worst. The river's jamming up again. How the next 48 hours will be critical. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. A terrifying situation in an ordinarily quiet Surrey neighborhood this morning. Just after 8 a.m., a man was shot in what police are saying was a targeted attack. And a warning, some of the images in this story are disturbing. Kamal Karmali is live near the scene. Kamal, what have you learned so far? Sophie, this Surrey street near Bear Creek Park, usually so quiet you can hear a pin drop. So imagine gunfire erupting early this morning. Now we know the victim is in hospital in serious but stable condition. We spoke to several neighbors who describe him as a nice and kind man and a well-known friend to many here in this tight-knit community. They also say that he's a promoter for Kabaddi, which is a popular South Asian uh, team sport. Global News has now obtained surveillance video of the shooting and a warning to our viewers. It may be disturbing for some. You can see the white SUV approaching this residential area near 84th Avenue and 144th Street in Surrey. A person is walking in the opposite direction when the sound of gunfire erupts multiple times. The victim then screams and attempts to frantically flee and leaves his vehicle and then once again we hear what sounds like more gunfire. The apparent victim then runs to the side of a nearby home. Just a shocking scene for families in this normally quiet residential neighborhood. Now a short time later Surrey RCMP were called to a burning vehicle at 125 A Street and Colebrook Road and not too far from here. Police are not connecting that incident to the shooting at this time but they do say that the vehicle that was engulfed in flames appears to be the same one that was caught on camera fleeing the shooting scene. Uh, they just need to continue their investigation to further confirm that. While one neighbor also tells us he saw the white vehicle driving around the neighborhood for an hour before the shooting. Well, I was up like five minutes before it happened. Then I just like I came out of the washroom and I just heard shots with like shots firing. What did it sound like? Just loud. Yeah. And my sister woke up too and then both of us were looking outside to see what happened. Yeah. And what did you see? We just saw there was a lady screaming, help, help, uh, someone called the police, and my dog started barking too. Not able to provide any specifics regarding the victims due to privacy reasons. The investigation is in the early stages, and investigators are working to identify suspects. Uh, we are out canvassing for video as well as additional witnesses. So we're asking that anyone who may have information or dash cam footage from either area to contact Surrey or CMP. Now, Mounties say the incident appears to be targeted, but no idea quite yet what the motive could be. And as you heard there, Sophie, they are still searching for that suspect. Back over to you. All right, thanks for that. Uh, Kamal Karmali reporting live tonight in Surrey. Now, more brazen violence caught on video, this time at a home in Abbotsford, where residents were asleep when a swarm descended on their driveway. Imadagahi now with the shocking images. 
every type of weapon under the sun that you can think of when it comes to uh, instruments that you can use to smash a window. We had shovels, we had an axe, we had baseball bats, sticks, uh, you name it. It took just under two minutes from beginning to end. This onslaught of vandalism happening in the middle of the night for reasons still unknown to police. Just when you think enough people have shown up, uh, to commit this offense, more just seemed to keep coming out of the woodwork. It happened last weekend at a home on Broadway Street in Abbotsford while the residents were home. When the police got there, the smashing and the trashing had left behind a huge mess. Four vehicles and the entire front face of a house uh, that had been greatly damaged. We don't believe it was a random incident. We believe it was absolutely targeted. Well, I don't feel safe on this street. No kidding, that's so... What? Who does that? Oh my... How many was there? Most neighbors are frustrated and too afraid to speak on camera. Others who are just becoming aware of what happened are shocked. They looked like they knew what they were doing. And oh, that's yeah. very scary. Like, yeah, I wonder if it's drugs, if it's... It's got to be something, right? Like there's a motive... Police believe between 12 to 15 people took part in the attack, including those driving three getaway cars. No one was injured, but the damage on the exterior of the house and at least one smashed up vehicle remain. Police still trying to find a motive. If you can, call us on the non-emergency line and tell us what you know. Tell us if you know one of these vehicles, one of these individuals. Help us do our job and hold them accountable. Emadagahi, Global News. Now to the flood watch in several parts of B.C. with Cache Creek already hard hit and other communities bracing for the worst. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the next few days will be critical. Water continues to carve out new channels as excavators work to unclog choke points. Gravel and mud have buried parts of Cache Creek. While the damage is exposed, the cleanup can't begin until the water recedes fully. We've had some progress yesterday, so uh, things are improving slowly and uh, subject to there not being too much rain over the next couple of days, we're optimistic that things will continue to improve. At the height of the flood, large parts of the village of Cash Creek were underwater. Days later, the danger is far from over. Sandbagging continues, hoping to reduce the damage from another flood event. Fire Chief Tom O reminding residents to use caution. It was six years ago to the day that the previous chief lost his life during another flood. It's uh, kind of, I don't know, ironic. I might, I guess, say that we're going through this again on May 5th. The risk of flooding is elevated across BC. The biggest threat over the weekend could be in the boundary region. People in Midway and Grand Forks anxiously watching the rivers, hopeful new infrastructure will hold. The Kettle River running dangerously close to levels seen in the floods of 2018. More than 20 homeowners have been told to leave. Hundreds more are on evacuation alert. According to the River Forecast Center, the next couple of days will present the highest risk. We're certainly concerned that there's the plausibility. We certainly have the, the ingredients that we could see that kind of level. It's not our current forecast that it, it's likely to happen, but it's up, out there as a, a plausible scenario um, if we're to get that kind of heavier rain. The highway through Cash Creek partially open, 
Residents also being urged to restrict their water use. The village trying to protect the sewer system, already working past capacity. Aaron McCarthy, Global News. All right, let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon for more now. And Christy, the flood danger is far from over. That's right. NBC River Forecast Center extended their advisories today. Here's a look at the latest. Uh, the boundary region under a flood warning as well as the Cache Creek area. That's highlighted in red. We've got a number of areas under flood watch highlighted in orange. And we've also seen an extension of the uh, high stream flow advisories across areas further north. Why? Because of all this rainfall. We are expecting the rain to continue tonight and through a good part of our day on Saturday with embedded in the rainfall these heavier amounts. And that's the concern in these areas here. Here. So the potential for new flooding, uh, worsening of the uh, existing flooding and mudslides are all concerns. Now we are going to see the rain ease a little bit on Sunday, Sophie, but the, the sort of impact of all of this runoff will continue right through the weekend. All right, thanks, Christy. We'll touch base with you in a bit. A Maple Ridge City Councilor wants his community to join the ranks of municipalities that restrict open drug use in public spaces. And as Travis Prasad reports, he's also adding his voice to those who say the province should be taking action. A problem in Maple Ridge is only getting worse, according to one city councillor. Not only in our downtown core, but throughout our city and our municipality. Ahmed Youssef says he's hearing from concerned residents and businesses who say since the province decriminalized possession of small amounts of illicit drugs, there's been a rise in open drug use. Paraphernalia that's being discarded on our playgrounds and in our parks, we're not doing ourselves or those that are struggling with addiction any favors. By, by having and promoting this type of behavior. Yusuf has brought forward a motion to ban drug use in public spaces, a move that was just made in Kamloops. Using drugs as banned within 100 meters of a city park or playground and on sidewalks. The same restrictions apply to drinking alcohol and smoking. If you don't want them to use in the public eye or in public spaces, that's fine. But where are they supposed to go? They live in the public. Maple Ridge outreach worker Tracy Scott supports a ban but isn't convinced it would keep drug users out of public spaces. She says the solution is a government-authorized overdose prevention site, something advocates have been unable to get so far. They have nurses in there that can go and say, OK, here, here's a referral to go to the hospital. And they have bandaging there and everything else to take care of stuff, so there isn't any disease on the street, and they're not using in the open. Meanwhile, Yusuf says keeping public spaces clear of drug paraphernalia should not be a responsibility that falls entirely on municipalities. I wish the province would step in and have an overarching policy prohibiting the use of illicit drugs, especially and specifically in parks, playgrounds and public gathering spaces, because ultimately what we're seeing is the result of the decriminalization policy that the province is conducting. City Council is expected to vote on the ban next Tuesday. Travis Prasad, Global News. Plenty of courtroom drama today at the trial of a man accused of killing a Burnaby teenager. Romina Dea reports. Fireworks in courtroom 53 Friday. Defense counsel Kevin McCullough trying to drill holes in the credibility of the witness on multiple fronts. Questioning how well she really knew her school friend. At one point, Crown raising concerns about defense's line of questioning. McCullough said, it's cross-examination, Mr. Justice. I'm calling the witness a liar. Justice Bernard warning defense to be respectful and not accuse the witness of lying. Later in the day, McCullough dropping a bomb, putting this to the witness about her friend. 
She told you she tried to kill herself because her parents were divorcing and she wasn't successful. Crown, objection. On Thursday, we heard the witness essentially talk about her friend as a normal schoolgirl who liked math, anime, and cartoons. She testified they would go to the park together, study at the library, and go to Metrotown to shop. She said she did not have a boyfriend, wasn't interested. But fast forward to Friday, when a very different picture was revealed. Defense questioning the witness about her statement to police, in which the witness said her friend didn't like her mother. She would ride the Sky Train to kill time because she didn't want to go home. She liked drawing people bleeding from their mouth. Defense said the victim did have a boyfriend who gave a statement to police. The witness said she never heard of him. Crown's theory, the accused, Ibrahim Ali, strangled the teenager to death in the course of sexually assaulting her in Burnaby Central Park almost six years ago. Crown says they were strangers to each other. Ali has told the jury he did not kill the girl. He has pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder. At the back of the courtroom, an unidentified man appeared to be crying. He was very emotional. He was being consoled by a woman. He's been at the trial since day one. Romina Dea, Global News. Wildfires rage across Alberta. The dangerous conditions forcing thousands from their homes and how the situation could go from bad to worse. Next on the News Hour. The breathtaking power of Mother Nature. Drone footage of an avalanche later on the news hour. Also tonight. Get off the brake. Get off the brake. Get off the brake. Feeling the need for speed? A driver's seat demonstration of why that's a bad idea. Still to come tonight. First, though, thousands of Albertans have been forced from their homes as firefighters are now battling more than 80 active fires across a huge area of the province. In just the past hour, everyone living in the town of Edson and surrounding Yellowhead County has been told to leave immediately. After an unusually dry spring, the fires are being whipped by strong winds. And as Kyle Benning reports, crews from Ontario and Quebec have now been dispatched to help. Just like, where are we going? The stress can be heard in Patricia's voice, but her 18-month-old son wasn't clear why they were forced to leave their home in central Alberta. The family, just some of the thousands forced to leave because of wildfires. We slept in our vehicles. My husband slept in his. So did my parents, my in-laws. We don't know where we're going from here at the moment. Provincial officials say there are about 80 fires spread out across northern and central Alberta, with dozens of new ones sparking Friday. Christy Tucker with Alberta Wildfire says there have been nearly 400 fires since the start of the year. That's significantly more wildfire activity uh, for this time of year than we've certainly seen any time in the recent past. She says it's due to limited rainfall, scorching temperatures and heavy winds, which makes for a perfect storm. The wildfire service has put fire bans in place across most of the province. A wildfire 550 kilometers north of Edmonton saw the evacuation of Fox Lake and Little Red River Nation on Thursday. The chief believed everyone had been evacuated using the community's barge and boats as there is no road leaving the community. But officials now say they're looking for several people. We have a crew on the ground and they're searching for a couple of missing folk um, in Fox Lake. The, fo the Fox Lake has been evacuated. There's no people there right now other than the people searching for on the ground. The Pasqual Fire is one of the 10 wildfires the province has noted. More than 50 firefighters and five helicopters are attempting to put it out. We have reports of between 17 and 20 homes that were lost, unfortunately. The police station, their general store, uh, which they call the Northern Store, 
and uh, we're also hearing uh, potential damages to, to the water plant. Alberta officials say 79 firefighters are being shipped in from Ontario and Quebec, with requests for more already in. Kyle Benning, Global News. And strong winds are fanning the flames of a wildfire east of McBride in BC's Robson Valley. At last word, this one was 150 hectares and burning in steep, challenging terrain. Air tankers arrived this afternoon, ranchers scrambling to move their cattle out of danger. Two homes are on evacuation order now, eight more on alert. This fire is believed to be human-caused. A decision in a U.S. court could have an impact on B.C. waters, in particular on southern resident orcas. The U.S. federal judge has closed the commercial harvest of Chinook salmon in Alaska in an effort to protect the endangered species. Paul Johnson explains. You don't have to go very far to see how important Chinook salmon are in B.C. Biggest, and many would argue tastiest, of the salmon species can be found right now just off of Vancouver. We hooked one after only about 20 minutes with a sport charter last spring. Now, a court decision in the U.S. could make them more abundant here. What I understand is there's going to be an extreme curtail of Chinook fishing, uh, Chinook harvest in southeast Alaska. For years, many experts have said that Alaska's troll fishery fleet was catching not just Alaskan Chinooks, but was also intercepting fish that come from rivers in B.C., Washington, and Oregon. The U.S. federal court decision took that into account in a case about protecting the southern resident orcas, which, like a lot of us, prefer Chinook over other salmon. So ordering the closure of the Alaskan fishery means more Chinook are likely to turn up in B.C. waters. Fishery scientist Marvin Rosenau says on paper it looks like a good thing. A lot of them are in real trouble, so maybe this will provide them a little bit of a reprieve. So maybe uh, we'll get a bump up in those uh, conservation stocks of real concern. Members of B.C.'s sport fishing charter industry have also said the decision is probably a win for them. But it's still too soon to tell. Alaska's governor has vowed to appeal the decision, and international allocations of Chinook could get changed again in a few years. But if the decision stands, Chinook that are bound for rivers like the Fraser and Skeena will likely end up there, instead of in the freezers of the Alaska Troll Fleet. Paul Johnson, Global News. Coming up, the kindness of community. We're blown away. We, we love this community. When a beloved, a beloved Ladysmith landmark burned down, how the locals stepped up to help. Plus. It's therefore with great hope that I declare COVID-19 over as a global health emergency. A new chapter in the pandemic. Why officials warn you not to let your guard down later. A beloved heritage barn in Ladysmith has been reduced to rubble after a fire broke out Monday night. And the loss is being felt not only by the barn's owners, but by the entire community. As Kylie Stanton tells us, that barn has a long history and many special memories. At every turn, a reminder to count the blessings. The animals are all safe. Employees and family members alive to tell the story. I knew that the barn was probably going to be lost completely from the t moment I saw it. It was fully involved. 
On the night of May 1st, Yellowpoint Farm's Heritage Barn went up in flames. The more than 100-year-old building that has long been a sought-after venue for weddings and events now reduced to rubble. Memories spanning generations fading into ash. Neighbors grew up playing in it as little kids. Um, it's not just a big loss for us. It was also a big loss for our community as well. Despite being insured, the historic barn is irreplaceable. But the community is rallying to keep the farm afloat. The supplies, tools, equipment and feed once housed here, now almost fully replenished. We didn't know in the beginning of the night when this was going on if we had it in us to maybe do go through this. Because being a farmer, there's always something over these last couple of years, if it's not the heat or if it's this or that. The community bounced back and we're going to keep our heads up and, and keep moving forward. A GoFundMe set up for the family has now surpassed its original goal of $20,000, what will immediately go towards keeping the operations up and running. Right now we're just concerned about being set up for blueberry season and for all the other stuff that we have coming up on the farm. At this point, the cause of the fire is still unknown. And while things may never be the same, there are a whole lot of reasons to push through. And in this case, take the goat by the horns. We will do our best to rebuild and we won't get knocked down by this and we'll do our best to get back up. We're fighters. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Up next, a new perspective on the dangers of speeding. I feel like my heart rate is, you know, way, way through the roof. Global's Janet Brown gets in the driver's seat to test out her skills. Plus, I think as a community, we're in a pretty good spot. The end of the emergency, the WHO's latest declaration on COVID-19 and what that means going forward. ICBC and police are taking a bit of a different approach today to announce their latest crackdown on bad driving. As Janet Brown reports, members of the media were put behind the wheel to experience how even a bit too much speed can make a big difference. Whenever you're ready, okay. up to 70, nice and assertive. Reporters were invited to drive a police training vehicle through an obstacle course to show exactly how tough it is to maneuver at high speeds. And I can tell you, it wasn't easy. Get off the brake. Get off the brake. Get off the brake. Get oh, out through the chute. Oops. We're going to try that again. ICBC says speed is the leading cause of car crash deaths in BC, with an average of 80 people dying every year. I personally have uh, witnessed the devastation firsthand of serious speed-related crashes on victims. I can tell you the task of telling a family that a loved one has died is something no one should have to do. For the month of May, police will be targeting speeding and other high-risk behaviors. Take your time on the roads. Increase your following distance from the car in front of you. Be patient and always be prepared to stop. People get lazy behind the wheel and they aren't searching and that way they get surprised by a hazard and they don't know how to react. And when you say you, searching, it's really thinking, isn't You know it? what? You're thinking, you're searching ahead, you're, you're looking in your rear view. You know, you anticipate what might happen and you therefore, hey, I gotta back off my speed. 
As for where the speed enforcement may be, police and ICBC aren't saying. <laughs> Janet Brown, Global News. Janet says that wasn't her crashing into the boxes, by the way. The World Health Organization has officially declared COVID-19 is no longer a global health emergency. But BC health officials say that doesn't mean the virus is gone. Richard Zussman now with a look at what this announcement means for the province moving forward. Historic declaration. It's therefore with great hope that I declare COVID-19 over as a global health emergency. The World Health Organization ending the global health emergency 40 months after it started. But warning, COVID-19 is not gone. Hospitalizations due to the virus are still lingering, but stabilizing. Here in British Columbia, COVID-19 cases dropped dramatically a year ago and have been persistently steady the last few months. Hospitalizations due to the virus also dropped a year ago and have remained steady. It may not be an international health emergency as defined by the WHO, but uh, the virus doesn't really care about such declarations. It lives to spread and we have to continue to support people. Vaccination against COVID is still readily available. While the province has scaled back public health measures, there are no longer restrictions for visitors and patients in public health settings and long-term care homes. And mask mandates are long gone. Change causes anxiety for a lot of people. I know that. And so that's why we've been gradually reducing them as the conditions in BC have changed and made that um, more and more possible. There is still one public health measure that remains, and that's a mandate to be vaccinated if you work in the healthcare sector. And there is no expectation that that mandate will be lifted at any point. We're looking at how, how that will continue. Immunization has always been an important part of us as, as healthcare workers, and we've had a vaccinator mask policy for influenza in the past. But even with the WHO's declaration, there is a reminder to be cautious. We have lost the we've lost the window where we could eliminate it unfortunately and this is something that we need to learn to live with and it will wax and wane the declaration also a chance for reflection on a virus that killed nearly seven million people richard zussman global news victoria all right let's bring in keith baldry of course uh, from the bc legislature because keith has been reporting on the pandemic uh since the beginning for more than three mm -hmm. years as have I, but uh, you are one of the faces known for uh, the pandemic coverage, Keith. Can we finally mm -hmm. say this is over? Well, you know, you're going to hear many voices, including the ones you heard in Richard's story. It's over, but it's not over. COVID-19, the virus there is now an established pathogen in our society, but it's not inflicting anywhere near the damage it did at the beginning, of course. And I thought it appropriate to hear one more clip from Dr. Bonnie Henry, who's been front and center throughout this whole thing. And she points out today does feel like a bit of an anticlimactic day, but still it brings a bit of emotion. Here's the doctor. So for me, it was, um, you know, surprisingly emotional. It's... Uh, uh, even though it was expected and it was a little anticlimactic, I found myself being um, really positive and excited about it and also a bit thoughtful about what we've been through for this last three years and uh, a time to pause and to think about that too. 
couple more pieces of evidence. We're in a completely different state, Sophie. You and I have done hundreds of conversations on the air through the pandemic. They've always occurred around 6 o'clock, 6.10, 6.15. Here we are talking at <laughs> past 6, 6.30. It shows you where the news value for the story is. And one last thing I'm going to leave people with. These are my COVID-19 diaries, my notebooks, 13 of them. Uh, the good news is I haven't touched these things for six months. And again, that shows we've moved on to a completely different state with COVID-19. No more emergency. And we're at a completely different level now. Those, along with Vaughn Palmer's uh, notes, should go into the newly revamped Royal BC Museum when it is finally done. I think they done. will. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. And sorry to keep you right. working late. Coming up next on the News Hour, a powerful symbol of a terrible truth. I think of all the beautiful women and girls and two-spirited people who were taken from us too soon. Why the red dress is more important than ever next. Plus, dramatic drone footage of the power of Mother Nature. Red garments are being hung up around the province and country to honour the memory of missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls and two-spirit people. Today is Red Dress Day, and as Julie Nolan reports, it's not just a time of reflection, but a call to action. Okay, we're going to hook you on there. The imagery of the red dress is powerful outside Abbotsford City Hall, marking this national day of awareness for missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls and two-spirit people. The empty dresses and garments symbolizing all the lives that have been lost. I actually get full body chills and I get teary-eyed because I think of all the beautiful women and girls and two-spirited people who were taken from us too soon. According to data from the VPD, Indigenous girls under 18 years old were the most overrepresented victims of violence in Vancouver over the last year. The next two groups of victims of violence were Indigenous women 35 to 64 and over 65. In 2019, a national inquiry said the crisis constitutes a genocide of Indigenous people. And found Indigenous women and girls are 12 times more likely to be murdered or go missing than any other group in Canada. The teachings in these events showing up um, creates those discussions and a safer ground to work out any of those, the traumas that do come along with having those discussions. In Kelowna, this march is bringing awareness to honour and remember victims of violence. I couldn't imagine if I lost a sister or a niece going to sleep every night and not wondering where is she? Is she alive? Is she okay? Has she been brutally assaulted and murdered? <laughs> An even larger turnout in Winnipeg, a round dance was followed by a walk for justice. Even children at Hickbay Elementary in Vancouver are witness to the visual reminder that more needs to be done to help stop these brutal crimes. Julie Nolan, Global News. Some spectacular drone footage to show you now, captured on Vancouver Island of the sometimes terrifying power of Mother Nature.
That roar you hear and the cascading torrent you see isn't water, but snow crashing down the side of a mountain in an avalanche. The owner of the drone says he and his friends were packing up from shooting mountain vistas when they saw the slide coming down and scrambled to get the drone back in the air. They made it just in time to capture the slide, which he says included some pieces of snow as big as a truck. All right, let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon now with weather forecast. And uh, uh, the next uh, few days, as we've been discussing, Christy, will be key in what happens in some communities across B.C. The next few days and even into next week, but certainly, yeah, key in terms of the rainfall. I just wanted to start off with this image, Sophie, just to give you a perspective. Look at the fires in through Alberta. That's extending uh, uh, air quality advisories in through northeastern BC. We've got the rainfall across the region. It really is sort of a trifecta of scenarios that we're dealing with as we head into the weekend. And I wanted to also show you this. This is the snowpack at the highest elevation that I could find at 1,870 meters. And you can see this is where we sit currently. There's significant snow melt occurring so the snowpack is dropping by comparison this is the uh, green line from last year so the drop in uh, snowpack occurred almost sort of a month later last year we are really early in terms of this snow melt right now and it's because of the heat we saw last week and now this rainfall which is going to continue this is tomorrow morning with significant band across these southern regions particularly the Kootenai the boundary area this Okanagan region it shifts further north impacting these areas as we head into Sunday but the impact of that rainfall will continue to be felt into Sunday across those southern regions. So there's your forecast for your Saturday, everyone. Yes, rainfall continuing across these areas, spotty conditions for the south coast. So we're talking about a chance of showers throughout the day with mainly cloudy skies. Only a 40% chance of showers on Sunday, hopefully uh, some more uh, sunshine on Sunday. But I want to highlight the sunshine that we're expecting next week. It does look like there's a chance we could see warmer conditions next week, which could make matters worse for the flood scenario tonight central windows weather window coming to you from Kimberley BC where on uh, Wednesday this dust devil was captured uh, from by Zena thanks so much for capturing that so a dust devil is not a tornado it does not come out of a thunderstorm but nonetheless looks rather ominous and scary but they're not as dangerous so back to you I think the Tasmanian devil usually lives I was just right. gonna say that <laughs> Taz, as my dad used to call him. The Tasmanian Devil. <laughs> Hello, Squire. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. We're showing our, um, our Looney Tunes uh, knowledge. There's nothing wrong with Looney Tunes knowledge. <laughs> nothing wrong with that at all. What do you have? You have sports knowledge. I do have that, some of it, anyway. Um, Ali Ahmed always knew he could be a pro soccer player. He just had to convince the right people. Uh, you know, again, belief is a big thing, so, you know, shout out to, to everybody around me who had that belief in me. And the Whitecaps are glad that they are the team that believed in Ahmed enough to give him a chance because he's becoming one of their better players. Also tonight, our Friday favorite, Squire, also has satellite debris. Okay. It's Cinco de Mayo. It's Cinco de Mayo, okay. Which is an excuse? Well, for us to drink margaritas. Okay. Which you would not really 
I think I had a margarita like once and somebody put salt in the glass so I couldn't well, drink it. Well, that's what you I know. I know. <laughs> but that was my excuse not to drink it. Hey, who put salt in this glass? I can't delicious. drink this. It's delicious. All right. I'll take your word for it. Uh, if the Abbotsford Canucks can win game four tonight against Calgary, they will force a fifth and deciding game in this series. And that would be Sunday, also in Abbotsford, also at 7 o'clock. Now, before tonight, and I'm saying before tonight because things have changed, Abbotsford was on a very interesting goalie pattern, never starting the same guy two games in a row. It would be Spencer Martin, then Archer Silovs, and then back again. This has been consistent throughout the playoffs and through the end of the regular season. But word is it's going to change tonight. Spencer Martin will get the net for the second game in a row. Both of these goalies have played well, but I think maybe they want a veteran in an elimination game, which tonight will be. Uh, there will be two Vancouver Canucks on the blue line playing for Team Canada at the upcoming World Hockey Championships. Tyler Myers and Ethan Bear have both agreed to go and wear the Maple Leaf. A lot of the big names whose teams did not make the playoffs are not going to go and play for Canada, which isn't all that surprising. Uh, incidentally, Connor Garland will play for the American team at the World Championship. Now, one of the great stories on the Vancouver Whitecaps roster right now is Ali Ahmed, who will likely start tomorrow's game at BC Place against Minnesota. This guy is getting better every outing. And it was his self-belief that he could be a pro soccer player when others didn't think he could that brought him to where he is today. Sometimes you just have to bet on yourself. And the Whitecaps are lucky that he did. Sometimes you just need a chance to show what you can do. And for Ali Ahmed, that chance came a couple of years ago when a former coach of his in his native Toronto reached out to the Whitecaps and said, you have to give this kid a look. Now, the Whitecaps get a lot of requests like that, but they said yes, and they're glad they did. After two trains, they say, why this guy never been under the radar of any football or any professional club? Because he's, he was immediate kid. You can see his qualities, 1v1, the, how he dribbles, how he, his, uh, I would say, endurance, his up and down on the, on the field. Ahmed was just hoping to get a tryout with the second team and work his way up to the MLS squad. But apparently he'd made a better first impression on Vanny than he thought. I remember him calling me, telling me you're going to preseason with the first team. And I was, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> you're talking about first team? I'm thinking second team. You're talking about first team already? And it's just crazy, you know, to, to, to be invited to first team preseason after two, three sessions was big. It was a life-changing moment. And for a guy who had heard no so many times, getting this yes motivated him even more. Nothing was going to deny him this one shot at his soccer dream. I felt like... I wanted it more than a lot of guys and I felt like I had, you know, I had enough talent to make it and, and I really, really, really wanted it, you know. If I told him you're going to play goalkeeper, he would have played goalkeeper too, so that's, uh, so I think the attitude was, was fantastic. Ahmed did end up playing most of 2022 with the second team, recording five assists in 15 games and he was named WFC2 Player of the Year. He made his MLS debut late last season with the first team and after a strong training camp, made the big club this year and then scored his first goal and assist in his first ever MLS start versus Montreal. Motivation is a big, big thing, right? So that motivated me another to another level and just, put in, just to put in the work and, and I'll get there. 
that's I think the the proof that there's a lot of gems. The country's that big. There's a lot of gems that we can discover. Yeah. All right. Speaking of gems that the Whitecaps discovered, Alfonso Davies, who today, for the second year in a row, was named the CONCACAF Player of the Year. All right. With golf, Wells Fargo, we're showing you this because we've got a couple of Canadians who did some big things. Corey Connors is a par four. It's drivable, 325 yards. Well, drivable for these guys. This ball will roll to within two and a half feet of the cup. He would make the eagle putt. He's tied for 29th at three under par. Surrey's Adams Fenson had a great day. He's going to just miss this birdie putt, but he is tied at seven under right now in fourth. But really, it's kind of like he's tied for second because he's only one shot off the lead at seven under, but it's a real crowded leaderboard right now. Adam Hadwin just missed the cut. He was even par. Okay, there you go. All right. Satellite debris, you got it ready? I got it ready. Stick around, it's coming up next. All right, Squire, it's your time. Okay, it's and Friday. I know that Sophie would love to live in a world where animals have human qualities. Yes. And because of that, <laughs> I like to show commercials that have just that, anthropomorphic animals. This is an old one, you may have seen it before, but it's funny, it's from Johnsonville. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff. In my Johnsonville commercial, we open up in the forest. I'm uh, out in the wild eating my breakfast, and all of a sudden, a raccoon come up and asked me, what are you eating? Told him, Johnsonville breakfast sausage, fully cooked and ready to eat. Squirrel comes up and asks, tell me some more about that. So I told the squirrel, tastes great, it's got great texture. Yeah. Turkey comes up <clears throat> and asks me if that comes in any other flavors. And I say, yep, comes in original. Porcupine comes in and he says, does that come in patties? I said, yep, they're new. Wolf comes in and says, how'd you learn to talk to animals? And I said, books. And the wolf says, touche. And we had a good laugh about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a breakfast sausage commercial made the Johnsonville way. See? <laughs> I think it works. Is that a world you'd oh like to gosh. live in? Where forest I, animals discuss your breakfast? Yeah, I mean, it seems very harmless. They, had, they actually had very, very intelligent funny. questions, too. Yeah. yeah. So yesterday was May the 4th, mm -hmm. and that's over the years become May the 4th be with you, kind of a Star Wars thing. So let's take it back in time as well. This was a commercial for Adidas about five years ago. You'll notice a bunch of different stars and Star Wars types as well. We don't serve their kind here. Your droids, they'll have to wait outside. I heartily agree with you, sir. Mm. This is this, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Han Solo, I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. Fortin. 
What's your problem? He doesn't like you. I don't like him. This little one's not worth the effort. I don't like you either. Well, I don't like you either, fool. Oh, you want some? Step up. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Okay, you guys got yourselves a ship. Recognize I'm anybody amazed. in there? What's that, Christine? No. What's that? I'm always amazed at the ideas that people come up with for these commercials. They sort of squeeze people into an old Star Wars, the bar scene. Yeah. It seemed yeah, to work. So cool. yeah. All right, keep an eye on the weather this weekend, everyone. That's all the time we have. Have a great weekend. Good night, all.